Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Double or Nothing preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, ironically joined by the Don of What Culture, Michael Sidgwick, to look ahead to Double or Nothing this weekend. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also Raw, SmackDown, NXT pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As said, they're joined by Michael Sidgwick's look ahead to Double or Nothing. How are you feeling out of this weekend, Sidge? Hyped, but not in that, Jesus Christ, I at once want this to be here right now, and I'd prefer to bask in how much I'm excited for it. Mm. You know, like... This might be the least I've been like properly on the hook for an AEW pay-per-view, you know. Mm. They've got such unreal form at peaking, pacing, building these pay-per-view cards. They genuinely feel special. Uh, it feels like everything else is secondary. Every discourse is secondary to Christ, AEW are doing a big four pay-per-view this week. We're blessed and lucky to have it. I'm not quite getting that feeling. I don't know if it's because of the rescheduling and the knock-on effect the rescheduling has had on the build and that certain things had to be like filmed and announced probably quicker than the organic narrative peak mm-hmm. because they realized they had to do the hard sell on a Wednesday, not a Friday, because they're probably staring down the barrel of like a pretty dire number for the go-home show. So maybe that's impacted it. I would describe the build, which is... The, the quality of which obviously informs your excitement as uneven pretty much across the board, like without going too far into it before getting to the predictions on the match quality and results. But virtually every major storyline has had something awesome about it and something not so awesome about hmm. it. That's what I mean by uneven. I don't mean boring or whatever. I just mean for every great thing in a storyline has been uh, something that just dampened the fire. Like, Baker versus Sheeta has done too awesome a job of building a challenger hmm. in that the result feels like a foregone conclusion, which you never want. I loved the elegant use of the ranking system to arrive at the three-way triple threat. 
and as wonderful as it is to have it visually and narratively conveyed to you that wins and losses matter, it is so fundamentally important to pro wrestling that for me it's ruined so much other pro wrestling product out there. And yet, what's been cute and nice and mathematical and all sort of designed with the idea of the long-term ascent of page in mind, it just feels cuter than it does like properly exhilarating. Mm. And you always have a struggle to build um, a three-way match as it is, because it never feels like this organic, must-see, proper one-on-one grudge conflict like a singles match. Um, who knows? They might go all the way on that in the go-home show, which we, of course, are recording ahead of due to <laughs> scheduling conflicts. Stadium Stampede, great wrestling promos, pretty dire sports entertainment angles. Um, really, the only thing I've been unanimously high on is the Bucks versus Moxon and Kingston. Mm. Everything else, like, even when AEW does something that's a little bit, mm, it's still great. That's <laughs> what this company is. Like, Cody of Go-Go, passe, ill-advised theme, executed wonderfully but again uneven so it's going to be one of those though the second i switch it on and i see that full crowd it'll be exhilarating yeah before we get into uh into this we've sort of alluded to what we hope generally from this pay-per-view on on, on several podcasts including what needs to happen at double or nothing which we did a few weekends back uh but you reckon they're going to switch the way they shoot it with all the fans being there and you and i have spoken before as well about just keeping those matches nice and tight because there's nine matches on the card. Indeed, yeah. Before we drill in depth in the individual matches, it would be great for the crowd if they are like all packed in and loud and we, we will be able to hear it. But if it just looks like a regular dynamite when one of the big selling points of this show is it's full capacity crowd, mm. that is a selling point. And as we'll get to, they've kind of built a proper crowd pleaser of a card I think, with the idea that we've actually got a full crowd back in mind. Um, yeah, it's one thing to hear them and to infer and feel the atmosphere, but I want to see it. I also don't, because you know for a fact some Floridian swamp monster, I'm not saying they're all like that, Matt Reigns, come on, Matt Reigns. How can I hate Floridians? Matt Reigns is one. But you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, we'll see it across the board, across... Premier League, across the Champions League, you'll see some knob just flouting the mask as a chin strap. When you see that so close to the people, you'll think, oh, maybe they should have just kept them away from the wrestlers. But, you know, at the same time, it's it would be inaccurate of me to say, I'd prefer they did this in front of an empty arena. Mm. Look, the vaccine rollout is what it is. It's going tremendously well to those who are not dumb enough to not take it up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, hesitancy and variance are like this grey cloud that sort of lingers over what should be a proper celebration, fans return. But at the end of the day, it would be naive to think that there'd be this big switch. Hmm. Herd immunity, let's go. That's simply not going to happen as a switch and then everything can go back to normal. The vaccine rollout has been successful enough from my perspective, to make me feel mostly positive about this. And I just, on a purely selfish level, want to see fans back in a goddamn crowd. <laughs> so yes, they should reconfigure the hard cam to capture. It still doesn't like, it's still not like a proper arena because of the mm. amphitheater setup, amphitheater setup, sorry. Um, but at the same time, just seeing a few rows of not Austin Gunn, God bless Austin Gunn, he's been... <laughs> 
unbelievable in terms of the atmosphere. Someone once tweeted me, Austin Gunn, greater than symbol Thunderdome. I thought, I wish I'd tweeted that because it was so spot on. Mm. But yeah, so yeah, I wanted to see the fans. Part of me will get unsettled when I see them, but it's just going to be the nature of all of this. And I think looking at the makeup of some of these matches, surely they can't succumb to that problem of, oh, come on, do we really need those extra three minutes of Shida Mizunami? Do we really need three of those extra minutes of Hardy Hangman Page? I just think, and we'll get into it, looking at certain match graphics, you think that's going to be nice and tight and mm. physical and packed and really, and really tight. Um, as you alluded to, we are recording this ahead of uh, the final episode of AW Dynamite, so we don't know what's going to be on the, the kickoff show or any th- other things that may be added. So cards subject to change, of course. Um, but we know we've got T- Sweet TK's here. What match would you uh, open the show with? Uh, you know, not on the buy-in, but on the proper pay-per-view card. Nine matches to choose from. What would you start with? I assume, actually, just to double-check, I assume you're main eventing with Stadium Stampede 2 just because the way it's going to work and how it may disrupt the crowd if you didn't put it on last. Yeah, I think that Dave Meltzer's already reported that Stadium Stampede 2 is going to be the main event. I've got an idea. It's not a particularly hot take on how they finish that match, but we'll get to it. Um, I would open, and it would be kind of dumb if you don't, with a proper babyface victory. It was the one sort of... I loved WrestleMania Night 1, man. It was such a good show it actually felt like the WWE magic. So it was a quintessentially WWE show. It generally felt like, Jesus Christ, there's still some magic in the soulless, horrible content factory. The one downside was you didn't get like your proper euphoric babyface victory in the first match. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, all right, they still hate us. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. It's, it's a good show. They still hate us. So that's, you know, it is what it is. I prefer they didn't hate us, but, you know, good match. A proper babyface victory. Like, it's all about that first pop. I think it'll be electric for whatever the buy-in is, but there's a different feeling having gone to a live show before. It genuinely feels atmosphere-wise that the buy-in or the kickoff or whatever it's called, the pre-show, it's like, right, okay, everyone's settling in. People go to the bar. Some people are just not as anxious as me and just turn up at the very end. Um, and they're alive-ish for the match. But there's something when you get the pyro and the opening video package that it's like a click of the fingers, like this is a real show. This is the real yeah. quiz. I think the very first thing we need to hear, especially looking ahead at either all out of full gear, is Hangman Page's music. Mm-hmm. The guy's going to get an absolute mega pop because he's so beloved. The idea is you want to capture how beloved he is with the idea of he's probably going to be the one to dethrone Omega. And he's going to hopefully, in the first match, happy, happy times are back, defeat Brian Cage in a tight, tight, physical 12-minute banger. I don't want it to go longer than 12 minutes. No. I don't need to see any Brian Cage match go longer than 12 minutes because he's very talented at what he does. But we were talking earlier about imposing long match durations on performers who really... Like Brian Cage could probably work a 20-minute match, but I don't want to see him work this 20-minute match. I want to see him look like he's going to brutalize Hangman Page and then eat the canvas and eat Page's biceps within 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. 12 minutes, tight, physical, non-stop action, banger with a happy ending. Perfect for the theme, the, the atmosphere, and the dynamic of this particular match. 
Yeah, ideal. Yeah, exactly. I can't disagree with that. I think Hangman Page versus Brian Cage is a, is a, is a great opener. Regarding the, the Casino Battle Royal next, two questions obviously surrounding that. Who do you think the Joker is going to be? And who do you think wins it? Because, you know, I've seen obviously lots of people saying, could it be Daniel Bryan? Could it be Andrade as the Joker? Are we setting ourselves up for a fall by expecting that? And, well, who who out of the field, if not the Joker, wins the future AW World Championship match? I've seen a few ideas bandied around. I haven't had any myself, realistically, because there are just so few free agents left in the game who I'd want to see in a company that has already got a roster so overstuffed that that third hour realistically can't come around soon enough. A few thoughts on this match, right? Joker first. I thought it was going to be Speedball Mike Bailey. He's tight with a lot of the AEW EVPs, particularly Omega. They worked extensively with him um, PW, in PWG. A lot of the roster has. He's perfect for that in-house undercard style, if you like. But the talk is he's going to WWE. And you know what? This guy has spent five years in exile for making one stupid mistake. If he wants his payday, I can't begrudge him. Like, I just mm. can't. So apparently it's not going to be him. If you're looking at other free agents in the game, obviously Andrade is free to do what he wants. Him winning could set up a double title match mm -hmm. at AAA. That would be really interesting. Um, there are reports in the Observer that he has held at least preliminary tentative discussions with AEW about signing him. So he's... 40-50% in my opinion Daniel Bryan feels like too much of a dream come true and I've got anxiety so I can't let myself believe <laughs> that but I've said it before the idea of him reversing a V-trigger into a heel hook is just oh my god or a half crab with his roll through I just can't let myself have that wonderful thing so I don't <laughs> think it'll be Daniel Bryan um, Chris Hero is a guy who Ooh. can work wonders with the greener reaches of the AEW roster in a sort of Matt Seidel role, by which I mean, not going to win, but who cares? It's Chris Hero. He'll get his heat back or his credibility back the second he steps through the ring because he's Chris Hero. He's, in fact, the perfect guy to lose a lot, which makes me think that... I mean, they had Seidel as the joker, so maybe just the idea of someone being a... Beloved legend indie figure is enough, particularly if you don't overhype it like they did ahead of Revolution. Um, so those are the th three or four candidates I can think of. Um, but my favorite idea that I've read, because it balances the expectation with the pop and the idea that if you do this too often, here's a joke, here's a new debut. Yeah. You can't do that every time. You can't. Otherwise, you'll be like infinitely signing people at an exponential rate when there are so few credible names worth hiring. A returning from injury, John Silver is someone's pick. Ooh. And I think what you do there is you get rid of this creeping idea that they're going to sign a massive pay-per-view name, a massive main event, a name for every Joker appearance because that's going to follow them around. And you get a pop because everyone loves John Silver and you get an absolutely amazing finishing sequence because the Joker comes last and there are a few better at just bursting into people 
and lots of them at once than John Silver. So I think it's a strategically good idea, unless they've got Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, as I would love to call him again. Mm. Unless they've got him, which you would put him in, I think John Silver more than a free agent because his roster, I want to see more of the people on it. Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. Like you say, it, as much as I'd like to see someone, I don't even consider someone like Chris Hero, but yeah, you, you, they're, they're making a rod for their own back if they just keep bringing out people. And Daniel Bryan in this particular case, more so than what we got a revolution, would not be AW's fault. Just because people are putting two and two together and going, well, that's what it's going to be. It's like, well, the AW have not even made any suggestion of like the Joker is going to be, you know, a goat or something like that. It's... Uh, I think that that works. Andy was doing a, a Q&A podcast with me the other day and said, big show. And I thought, I could see that. I could absolutely see that. Um, but Silver, I think, is a great show. I think regard. I don't think it matters, uh, unless it's someone like Anand Andrade or uh, uh, Daniel Bryan. I don't think Joker's winning. I think it's Christine Cage's match to win, to be honest. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I think it's the perfect way to sort of substantiate that outwork everyone gimmick, which, you know, it's a bit dry and solid and boring, if I'm being perfectly honest. But if he literally enters early in the first four, I'll get to that imminently, and outworks everyone, it's a nice little mm. resolution to what was apparently a catchphrase he came up with out of his arse when he realised he needed a T-shirt to sell on PWTs. <laughs> um, Christian to win. I'd love to see Christian versus Kenny Omega on... Um, Fighter Fest or something like that. It's just mm-hmm. the perfect kind of match. Wonderful clash of styles. Been waiting for Christian Cage to have a match with the modern super athlete. And there are not, no better modern super athletes than um, Kenny Omega. I hope, without telling you, they just quietly abandon this pack of four deal. Like, it must, it, it's deflating to see four guys who are going to have a fight come out at once. It's just this weird, dissonant feeling that I get whenever I watch these matches they don't work in the context of a Royal Rumble because they work because oh Christ here's someone else I like and I don't know who it was I'm giddy with excitement by the ticking of a clock coming in doing their spots and then sort of being enmeshed in that sort of flesh of wall it doesn't work when you've got four guys at once doing it because your attention's diverted between mm. four different people there's the weird again just to repeat that point four opponents coming out in tandem it's just it's a series of cursed images in split screen that isn't split screen it's just a bad idea yeah they've done well previously not to invite the disaster that was the all out 2020 casino battle royale which is just a total mess they've done remarkably well to map out and lay out these like weirdly impossible distracting matches i just hope they just put casino in front of it without it having to mean anything just a marketing name keep the joker element so you'd have to do a royal rumble in that regard but if you don't do the joker just do a battle royal or, or a royal rumble they're the only two versions of this genre that have ever worked like stop being clever and trying to outdo the royal rumble you simply can't rip it off yeah if a mutant was to turn around to me and goes huh, ripped off the royal rumble i would say good it's one of the best ideas wwe ever had yeah do you know what it is 
I, I think there's a really blindingly obvious solution to all this. You don't need a casino battle royal on every single one of your big four shows, in my opinion. You don't need it. Um, it's a nice way to get to a world title match and what have you. But you ain't WWE. You ain't going to take these shortcuts to suddenly say, oh, Christian Cage suddenly got a world title. Like, Christian Cage obviously you know, got a decent win record or whatever. But if you wanted to suddenly elevate, I don't know, Lee, uh, Lee Johnson into a world title match, yeah. But aside from that, you don't need it, right? And originally, I think it makes, makes sense because... Yes, they had, you know, Glacier and all the other people like that, right? But uh, I understand the reluctance, as much as I'm sure they love all their talent, to be like, it is so-and-so. And And half of people go, who? I'm going to get excited about this guy. Now, every single name I read out on this would get a reaction, whether it's uh, Max Caster or Griff Garrison or Preston Tenvance or whoever it would be would get a reaction because we know them because the company's been going for long enough now, right? So keep the casino battle royale, if you want to call it that, or you want to do, right? It makes it, put it on one show, put it on this show, because this is the, you know, this is the Las Vegas show. Um, and I'd like to see them obviously go back there. And just like, it's really easy. Just do a roulette wheel. Like, and just have people assigned to numbers. And some of them, you know what number they're assigned to, and some of you don't. And then the, the joker or whatever it is, it's just the, the big green zero. of That's just a special entrant in the match. I don't, like maybe you can even do like red and black as heels and faces or whatever. Like if you want to do that, that's fine. I don't care. But like you say, it's just saying, hey, it's Christian Cage. And look behind him. And there's four other guys that you care kind of less about. It just seems it's just backwards. Um, it's, odd. it's all incredibly odd and distracting and counterproductive. Rip off the goddamn Royal Rumble. Are you ready for a sacrilegious take? Uh-oh. I've never been the biggest Rumble guy. I, when people say, right, oh, it's rumble season. I can't wait to revisit my old rumbles, my favorite rumbles. I'm thinking, why? Mm. <laughs> they're, fantastic. Yeah. they're fantastic in the moment, but so many of those matches are just long and nothing happening. And it's the sumptuous live experience. What There's no better match to watch in the moment. Mm. But Christ almighty, I'd never want to watch them again. I don't think no, I've never no. revisited. Apart from 92, I've never revisited a single Rumble match, I don't think. I'll go back huh? and watch moments. I'll go back and watch like Edge coming out in 2020 or, you know, Cena coming out at number 30 or, or whatever it may be. But I sincerely doubt anyone goes, I can't wait to watch that mid 20 to 40 minute stretch of a, of a Rumble where all the mid card guys come back out. That because you only get the surprise pop surprise. Well, it's not a surprise. I know what's up. I know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, surprise, here comes a hurricane. It's not a surprise. I saw it eight years ago. I just don't understand how people can watch it again. Here's the point I'm arriving at since germane to the discussion. I think one of the problems with the rumble these days, right, is that it's still laid out, timed out, and worked as if it's full of six, six, three hundred pound guys you can't get out of the ring because they are simply too large. Mm. The modern wrestler has completely physically transformed for the most part. Should he be getting, with all due respect, like Jungle Boy? Like, oh, I can't get him over the ropes. Why well, you can? Because you can, like, you can toss him in midair mm. if you're, like, virtually anyone. I think Royal Rumble matches should be Half as short as they are nowadays, if you look at the psychology in terms of getting people out, 
and they should be worked as fast as a typical modern match. AEW can correct this at Casino Battle at, at the Casino Battle Royale at Double or Nothing 2021 by ripping off the format, doing a minute between um, entrance, and just getting people out of dodge much quicker. So you've got much space with which to do cooler stuff that isn't punching someone in a corner for three minutes because you know no one's looking. Well, I'm looking, Doug. <laughs> Understand? Maybe I'm paying too much attention. Christian to win. I, I agree. Like, as much as it bought a lot of piss at the time, that Brock Lesnar rumble where someone just came out and he went, see you awesome. later. The best one? Yeah. That in 2018... And, the one where, and that one where, I can't remember which year it was, the one where CM Punk just did a sermon on the mountain between entrants was fantastic. 2010. Jeez. The less people in a battle royale, the better, which says it all about battle royals. Exactly. Uh, right, let's uh, go through some of the other matches on this card then. Sting and Darby Allen face Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Sting live wrestling for the first time in what, five years, is it? I think it's five or six, somewhere in that region. In fact, it will be six because it was 2015 where yes. he had that match at Night of Champions. So we're approaching the six-year anniversary. There's very little to analyze about this. AEW know what they're doing. Sting is not going to lose his first live match in front of fans because unlike WWE, AEW is not inept nor mean-spirited enough to do it. <laughs> Even if they hated Sting, like WWE seemed to hate Sting, WCW, mess, they would still go, all right, well, people like him. Probably shouldn't job him out. Mm. You know, this whole, I, this whole thing is going to be this iconic legend, right? So let's treat him like one. He'll make more money like that. <laughs> They're going to win. I don't think... I don't think Sting's going to play Ricky Morton here. Just, I don't know why. Smoke, mirrors, do the simple, easiest thing. Sting gets attacked before the bell, just before Darby makes his entrance. Darby Allen is probably the best person possible to work a handicap match because he's so great at selling. His selling is so much more dramatic and compelling than people doing good, cool stuff on offense because he's one of the best works in the world. I'm half worried about this match because Ethan Page has done some horrendous things to Darby Allen. You know those videos when you were first like looking up Darby Allen ahead of AEW or whenever you liked him? And you'd see him, all right, okay. Who's this idiot getting sellotaped to a wheelchair and thrown off a balcony? Yes, like, that's exactly what I went to. More often than not, Ethan Page was the person doing that <laughs> in Darby Allen in their sort of cult classic of an evolved program. So I'm worried about what Ethan Page is going to do to Darby Allen here. So that's my only concern about a match that I feel like with the right wrestling minds involved. And they are all in AEW at this point. Look at Ghetto, look at Vince, look at Rule Dog. Um, this should be an absolutely impeccable smoke and mirrors masterclass. Sting's big popular pop comeback at the end. It, it, it's just a perfect, it's not just the aesthetic, it's not just the spirit that Darby Allen and um, Sting share. In terms of working together as a tag team, it's just the perfect dynamic. And that's going to be realized in another crowd pleasing baby face win. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I think, I think I've got the finish sorted as well. Scorpion death drop on uh, Scorpio Sky from Darby Allen. Coffin drop from Sting on Ethan Page. <laughs> Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Let's go through some of the other matches. Uh, let's go straight to the TNT Championship match, which... At time of recording, I have to say, is advertised as Miro or Dante Martin. It could be Dante Martin. <laughs> no offense, Dante. I don't think it's going to be you, mate. Against Lantosh of the TNT Championship. Uh, if it's Miro versus Lantosh, this is going to be a bloody war, isn't it? Yes. And again, this is exactly the sort of match that won't, or at least should not, go 15 minutes. And there's about three of them on a six match card, which makes me think, are oh, they going to get it right? They are finally going to get these incredible but imperfect pay-per-views where certain things go a little bit too long. They are finally going to get it right. Page cage, 12 minutes. A go-go Cody won't exceed 10. This shouldn't exceed 12. Like, you're going to see sudden death monster mash. Like, <laughs> very physical, painful-looking stuff. Proper swagger and machismo when the no-sell stuff, when they do exciting stuff that people of their proportions have no right to be doing. Like Lance Archer is going to be diving on Miro after Miro gets the heat. Like this is going to be one of the more fun monster matches you've seen in quite some time. It can't go long. No one wants to see these guys sell for too long. So it can't go long. It's one of the perfect AEW pay-per-view matches. My only concern about this, right? And I've been saying for the longest goddamn time, stemming all the way back to Cody versus Chris Jericho, when people were saying, oh, Christ, I'm worried about this. It's too soon for Jericho to drop the title and Cody should be able to go for the world title again. I'm thinking, this anxiety that you're feeling, right, is informed because WWE ruin everything. 
what AEW are trying to do is change the context here and change the meaning back to something called drama. You're meant to be feeling like it's all or nothing, high stakes, do or die, because that what that's what makes great drama. I'm worried about the result in the booking because Miro has just got there. Just got there, right? Mm-hmm. So it'd be weird if he loses it. Lance Archer hasn't been there where Miro is now for too long. And if he loses again, he's knackered. I don't think he's knackered, but Jesus Christ, I don't think I'll be able to take him seriously. People know at this point of my faith in the process and how much I rate AEW's booking. I don't think even Tony Khan can book Archer to come back from this. I think Miro has to win. But I and I think Lance Archer may go away for a while after this because, like you say, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that they've finally got it with Miro. So having him lose now would be, you know, whatever they maybe decided when they originally book this match, it would be suicide to do something like that. So I think he has to win. But then, like you say, Lance Archer can't come back and, you know, akin to what we've seen on NXT recently, say like, well, I guess I'll transfer the world title instead. Then, yeah. That's just not how this promotion books. There'll be a plan either way. I'm convinced of that. I'm just not convinced that either can afford to lose. It's the first time I've felt like these two particular guys, neither can afford to lose. I thought Archer could afford to lose to Cody. I thought Cody could afford to lose to Jericho. I've always had this feeling, yes, these people can lose because like, there's no shame in it in AEW because the win matters so much. But this one... Yeah, I'm just worried about the direction after the fact. I think Archer wins. Fair enough. Because I think if they didn't plan on having Archer winning, what sense does it make to have him, a man of his size, lose again when you can easily buy yourself like Miro versus spirited babyface upstart? Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. You mentioned Cody and a go-go there. Putting aside all of our bias... Our new best friend, Anthony Agogo. I think even putting that to one side, I'm inclined to ask this question, Michael Sidgwick. Can Anthony Agogo shock the world and not just beat Cody Rhodes, but beat the American dream Cody Rhodes? I'm being, I'm going to be boring and practical about this. I don't know the extent to which Agogo's ready. I feel like he's way more ready than most people might think. They would not be putting him in this spot if he wasn't. I think he's going to shock the world in terms of how well he can go, how much he can work and match. Um, he's not doing this be- just because he couldn't do boxing anymore. He's, he's a wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. He carries himself like a star. Um, it's going to be interesting either way. As I said, I'm going to be cold and boring about this. In AEW, wins and losses matter. A go-go, as I understand it, is 2-0. He goes to 3 if he beats Cody Rhodes on the night. He's getting close to the ranking system. Mm-hmm. And they gimmick it, I think, so that meaningful wins matter more than, you know, a few scrubs on dark. Or they can gimmick it to that. It'll be hard to look at a go-go if he wins and beats Cody here and not have him in the rankings, particularly since they matter so much. And at the same time, it's like, well, can he go to like a proper 
main event title run. I just don't know. So I'm really conflicted about who's going to win. And I'm just dreading the discourse if Cody Rhodes does, because I don't necessarily think that's the worst thing. Cody Rhodes is wrestling a wrestling match against a guy who, as hard as he is, and how great he is at getting over the fact that he's hard because he's just great at this already. I just don't see how, and this has been sort of an anxiety creeping into Twitter about whether or not this happens. I don't see the disgrace in a hard bastard who's not the, nonetheless inexperienced in a field that because it's a wrestling company, you want to put this over as something you can be an expert at. I don't think there's any shame in Cody Rhodes winning. Like, I really yeah. don't think there is. Um, in context, you find the guy who's had two professional matches and you don't want to necessarily put the idea over to your fans that boxers are inherently better and harder than pro wrestlers. Mm. Um, I think it'll be great. I do worry about the fact that they're going to go full national anthems. I worry about the atmosphere. I worry about what it's going to do to people's time because, you know, part of it now is interacting on social media. It's a big part of it. I just worry about the conversations and the, the vibe. I've got way more worries about how it's going to be received if, in fact, Cody wins than I am about the prospective quality of the match. As I said before, I don't think a go-go is getting put in the spot if he can't go. And I think it'll be a really great presentation, more so than a match, like the anthems, the the attire, they'll both be wearing red, white, and blue. Like, this feels big. Cody's amazing at making things feel big. Gogo's been incredible hyping this on social media. This feels like one of the biggest things on the card. I think they'll have put so much effort in putting this together. They've probably already worked it a million times in the factory gym because Cody's been working very closely with Gogo. They'll have a chemistry, we know that much. I think this will be a proper, great, celebrity-adjacent match in the fact that he comes off as a celebrity, because he pretty much is, but he's got that aura, you know what I mean, like he feels like an attraction. I think Cody wins, and it's going to piss people off when it probably shouldn't that much. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be able to watch this pay-per-view live. Uh, unfortunately, it's my mum's 70th birthday weekend, so we're celebrating that instead. Of, and it's a bank holiday, so we're, we're sort of stretching out over the weekend. But I think this match is one I'm simultaneously really disappointed I'm not going to be able to watch live and get the reaction from social media from live and also kind of glad I'm going to avoid it because I can feel already, like you said, I think there's a lot of formative takes that are going to come out of like, oh, there's Cody Berry and another one of the new talents coming through in AW, and it's not the case, like you say. You can easily present an Antonio Gogo loss with him saying, well, who was the guy coughing up blood after the match? Who was the guy, you know, he... he and I'm not saying he's got to do the old classic, he's stolen one on Anthony Agogo, but you should out-wrestle him. This is a wrestling match. This isn't a street fight. This isn't, you know, bunkyard brawl or whatever it's called. It's a, it's a singles wrestling match. You win by pinfall, submission, all the other bollocks, right? He should win by pinfall, obviously, but he can do it in a way that you don't make Anthony Agogo look like a little bit of a bitch. I don't think he's going to. I'm going to be sat there watching it at my leisure on Monday with a bulldog that I've wrapped him Fishing <laughs> that, uh, that you've inexplicably acquired. Yeah, singing along and I'm going to watch Anthony Agogo punch Cody Rhodes' lights out. And as I've said from the beginning, 
teabags him after the match. But let us know your thoughts on Twitter at OneCultureWWE. Uh, let's move on. Let's to move to some of the uh, title matches scheduled. Let's go to one which I think we had just universally agreed on, and that's the title change uh, in the AW Women's Division, the Women's World Title. Boy, Kari Shida, she's worked so damn hard. She's had great matches uh, on pay-per-view. All she wants to do is defend this title in front of a crowd, and the first opportunity she's going to get, she's losing it to Britt Baker, isn't she? Cut and dry. Close the book. It's done. The rain is done. Um, Not before time. But in fact, what Tony Khan has done is in positioning Ty Conti and Statlander is he's formed a division that Britt Baker, when she becomes champion of, has lots to work with. Yeah. So I think the timing's been better than most are giving it um, credit for. I mean, there's not much else to say. They had a banger in QT Marshall's gym, of all places. There was a certain ironic serendipity to that, that took it all the way at the top. It was a really well-worked match before that. They've got chemistry. Baker's on fire. The switch has to happen. To make this more interesting, because it is the most cut and dry, you know, I would love to see at the end of this. Go on. It's such a good take that I think I'll get numbers, so I want to tweet it. Britt Baker, because she's been playing this on Twitter so often, I think she's going to introduce her action figure at the same time as the title. Oh, Yes! Get that tweeted before this podcast comes out because otherwise, yeah, that's a hell of a shout. Because Punk was tweeting about this the other day, wasn't he? Yeah. It feels like... With the belt, like an action figure with the belt. Oh. It feels at this point like it's a running joke that's got the actual punchline in mind. Because otherwise, why would you actually, on purpose, piss off someone in Britt Baker who's at this point like a real asset? Yeah. It's like it's like pissing off Moxley, like not to that extent, but you know what I mean. It's like pissing off one of your biggest stars. So yeah. they can't be pissing her off. It has to be this big, long ruse. That's brilliant. Yeah, get that over to TKASAP because that's that's got to happen on Sunday. I love that. Uh, let's go to the other uh, singles world title match: Kenny Omega triple threat match. Orange Cassidy uh, and Pack, of course, involved in that. No doubt there'll be more developments that we can't talk about on Dynamite before this podcast comes out. But still, um, not ideal the way this has come together, obviously. There was a, a nice plan originally, which issues with an injury to Orange Cassidy, which can't be helped, uh, put pay to. But you and I have spoken about this at length on previous podcasts. If there's anyone who can pull off a great triple threat match, it's these gentlemen, in particular Kenny Omega. Yeah, the dynamics better than the build. The way they've arrived at the match is better than the way they've told the story. It's a great crowd-pleaser match. Just love the idea of Orange Cassidy taking an early V-trigger or an early suplex from Pac or whatever, lounging on the outside, and then in a bit of a nice meta gag, Tony Schiavone can say, is Orange Cassidy actually hurt? Or is he just lazy? And then it reveals itself to be the case that Orange Cassidy, because he's a wily, like, like intelligent pro wrestler, is only pretending to sell, and he's the perfect guy to do that awful spot in the three-way where they're just selling for ages on the outside, way more than the wood in the context of his one-on-one singles match. He's the perfect guy to do the ruse, to like spin that contrivance as an in-character ruse 
I think that'll be great. I think that there are certain spots that I'm enough of a mark to fantasy book. I think we've said it before. V-Trigger in the pack's face at the same time as Cassidy does the um, Superman punch. Cassidy does the cover to one person, 2.9. Cover to the other person, 2.9. Crowd goes nuts. They are not doing a random three-way with the idea of, oh, just buy his time before we give it to Paige. There's an element of that. This is very much a title change isn't happening, which again kind of has undermined the build. This is very much a, we've got three people who can do a really good three-way match here. Let's do that match. And I think Kenny Omega obviously wins. Yeah, I think Pac takes the fall because I think they'll do Omega Cassidy at one of the um, July shows in Texas. Yeah. Because it feels yeah. like it focuses more on if you look at the segments they've done to build it, it feels like Omega versus Cassidy is central to people's to selling this match. And I think Pac's there realistically to do 25 amazing minutes and take the fall. The only other spot that I think I've mentioned pre- previously to all this, uh, and maybe you do and maybe you do a switcheroo with Pac in this scenario, but who knows? Orange Cassidy's doing his shtick, is kicking other shins of Kenny Omega, who's just just infuriated by this little prick. And he s- slaps him as hard as he can across the face and the sunglasses go flying. And Cassidy, just, just, he's, he's, his hands are still in his pockets. He's just he's just selling it. And Kenny Omega does his usual, like, fire up into running into the ropes. And as he comes back, stops dead in his tracks because Orange Cassidy still stood there, but inexplicably somehow got another pair of sunglasses on. I love like, that. I, you know, I can't book the finish. I could sit there and say, oh, let's have a bloody V-trigger into a, you know, black arrow as Orange Cassidy's. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm video game booking now, but I, yeah, I completely agree. Kenny Omega retains the AW world title. Um, and I think it, it, either Orange Cassidy or Pat getting billed is going gonna, is gonna to get protected in the, in the end of this result regardless. So uh, you can run it back as singles matches as well for all, for all I care. Before we get to the Stadium Stampede 2 then, uh, let's conclude with the final title match on this card the young bucks the shoeless young bucks at the time of recording including on being the elite i saw that change versus john moxley and eddie kingston and i'd say along with the miro lance archer match one of the hardest title matches to call on this card for me this yeah absolutely it's one of those where i love this storyline i love how it's all built from them pilmanizing kingston's ankle to the books betraying Moxley and joining the super elite Mox and Kingston banding together again and thinking oh let's just terrorize these complete pricks who've done us <laughs> dirty by scaring them intimidating them threatening to steal their shoes eventually stealing their shoes this Nick Jackson's terrified squeal in that limo was so perfect in like capturing these two unbelievable badasses, how whip smart they are. So love it. Two legitimate folk heroes of a wrestling scene that felt like it was so polished and mainstream that I didn't really produce them anymore. And you've got two at once and they are working a tag team match against two obnoxious rich dickheads. Totally different value systems on either side. Totally different working styles on either side. Wonderful dynamic, perfectly told. And I like and everybody else likes Kingston and Eddie and Eddie Kingston and John Moxley so much that it's going to be a legitimate disappointment 
especially in front of all the fans, if they lose, that will get the books over as heels all the more. And I think that's the way it's going to be. But realistically, like, are you going to find a more over babyface tag team than Moxley and Kingston? And if not, is this not the time to do it now? I don't know. Either way, it's going to be disappointing, but you know the books will sell and rub your face in the sh- of your disappointment immaculately. I think the books retain, but Jesus Christ, they're going to have to arrive at a hell of a finish to do it. Mm. I'm inclined to... The match will be awesome, by the way. I think the match will be awesome. Like, if you look at the fact that Kingston's still selling, selling that leg, mm. the idea being that Matt Jackson's got an awesome sharpshooter on him. That it's just little bits that they've worked into the match, in the build, as builds should go, this is going to be great. Yeah, I think I think that is the is the the crux of this match. I think is Eddie Kingston's ongoing injury, and I think that is the only reason why the Young Bucks retain a fully fit Moxie and Kingston beat him. And the story of this match is just not quite there. But Kingston wants to try and power on through for his mate. But I think the Young Bucks have to retain. I think it really informs it nicely as well if they do. I know we've been talking at length. I will try and make the next point succinct because we've been talking for ages. There's a classic, famous, all-time great babyface performance in an all-Japan pro wrestling tag team match between Misawa and Kabashi versus Kawada and Tawe. Eddie Kingston adores the four pillars. And in that match, Kabashi, whose leg has been battered in the build, is such a hero and babyface that Masawa, who takes more of bat- more of a battering in the match, Kabashi just protects him as his guardian, and it's wonderful. And I'd love to see some kind of tribute to that mm. with Eddie Kingston, with his battered leg and all, still being enough of a mate of John Moxley to protect him from a super kick party. Lovely touch that. Right, let's get to the main event: the Pinnacle versus the Inner Circle Stadium Stampede Two. If the Inner Circle lose, of course, they must disband as a team forever. This is going to be very different. Stadium Stampede One, I sense. Yes, and this is the thing: like it's useless preview audio, so we've kept it till last. Uh, again, I've said it time and time again. I've got no idea how they do this. I've got no idea how it kind of suits the performers involved. Yes, you can imagine Wardlow and JK get doing another version of the bar fight where mm-hmm. they're just launching glasses with sugar glass, sugar glass pints off each other's heads and neither of them moving. You know that spot where Hanman Page did it to Hager? Yeah. They can do it like they can They can cut back to it as well. Like it's a little running, running gags. You can do with the way these are edited. You can do running gags. Not to the point where it's silly, but you can almost believe it because of these characters. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, I don't understand how FTR do anything except do... They're great at brawling, but, like, I prefer to see them cut the ring in half against Santana and Ortiz, if I'm being honest. I think they might do that in the centre of the football field. Yeah, I mean, I hope so, because if I'm sticking anyone in that ring, it'll be them. But I don't know how the match is going to go other than that barroom spot. All I know is that the tone is going to be completely different. They told you on Dynamite. And I think this is going to end up in the ring. I agree. It's going to end up in the ring. It's going to end up in the ring. Um, be a nice poetic, we're back sort of deal. And uh, Chris Jericho is simply not working a pay-per-view 
with a full capacity crowd for the first time since March 11, 2020 without getting a pop. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just not Chris Jericho. So you can, for that cynical reason alone, you can almost guarantee it makes its way back to the ring. Um, just a nice bit of symbolism to cap off the event, but I've got no idea how it's going to unfold. I, I In a circle this, to win. Yeah, I said this for the first stadium stampede. No, 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 they can use it here now. Maybe MJF and Sean Spears have, have got Chris Jericho in a precarious position. There is a zip line at the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium. I know this. I read this up the last time we talked about Stadium Stampede. Have Sammy Guevara come down and do something mad off it. Like, you can obviously edit around it, but... With your physically impossible, like, spot ideas. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's not my problem. I just Drop on 50 foot and just do a flying head scissors on MGS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Spanish fly off the top of the stadium to the, to the football field. Oh, how could it be? <laughs> but yeah, I completely agree. They're going. They eventually get into the ring because also, I'm sure. I, you know, I'd be very happy to watch eight of these matches and then watch Stadium Stampede on the screen if I was there, just to be there first and foremost. But also, I just feel like they're going to eventually slowly brawl back into the stadium and uh, the finish. I don't know who eats the pin, but I'm with you. The inner circle kind of have to win, and this rolls on to. To one more, which is like blood and cut stadium stampede. Good luck topping that, lads. But there we go. Yep. It's going to be a wild, wild finish to the show if that's the case, though. Um, but there is there is certainly ways to, to to work around that. And like you say, with all the editing they can do in the build uh, for, around the rest of stadium stampede, you can excuse, you know, the other guys being not involved in the finish, can't you? Yeah. They'll need to do some continuity if there's a pre-taped live, a pre-taped element, like segueing into a live element because it's just the name of the game. Now there'll be some dicker on Twitter going, hmm, was that blood gone on a, on Sammy Guevara's head or something like that? Yeah. So like, who cares really? But, you know, enough people might care. So you have to do that if, in fact, it's going into the live environment, which I think it will. Um, Babyface win. Crowd-pleasing show. I can't really explain what's going to happen in the match. I hope they think about it, and I think they will, but with the same like zeal and passion as the first one was mm. um, pulled off. I've got no idea what it's going to look like at all. No. A serious stadium stampede match. Feels like an oxymoron, but there's any company that can do it, it's AEW. And there you have it. Let us know your thoughts ahead of Stadium Stampede 2 and the whole of Double or Nothing on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Oh, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, of course. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. I will warn you now, our review of Double or Nothing will be slightly delayed, as I mentioned. Uh, there is a bank holiday here in the UK on Monday. Uh, which means we're all off and I will be relaxing and enjoying Double or Nothing at my leisure. But don't worry, myself and the Dadley boys will, of course, be reviewing Double or Nothing in the week following. And uh, no doubt Simon Miller will be there with his ups and downs following the event on Monday on our YouTube channel. And just as a little addendum before we finish, I'm actually doing the written ups and downs, which I will post to Twitter. Oh, 
There you go. At M Sidrick on Twitter, as I said, at What Culture WWE for all the rest of us. But this has been the Double or Nothing preview. My thanks to Michael Sidrick. Thank you for joining us. Apologies if we missed anything out from AW Dynamite. We recorded it before that this week. And <laughs> we will see you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.